History show number one for this month of August on Lockdown Pacers. It's the three-year anniversary of TJ Warren's 53-point game and bubble Warren's run. Brendan Rourke, formerly of Pacers.com, is going to join us to remember that game and his bubble stretch and reminisce about TJ Warren's Pacers career that ended far too soon. It's all coming today on the Lockdown Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What up, y'all? Happy Wednesday. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers. As always, my name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI. And today, first of all, forgive me for the local mic. I'm in Gamebridge. Beaver about to play, and I'm recording here today. Uh, but it looks great. My background looks awesome. Today, TJ Warren time. It's the three-year anniversary of his 53-point explosion in the bubble and ensuing run where he became tied for the Pacers franchise record holder for points in three consecutive games. Brendan Rourke, formerly of Pacers.com, is going to join us to look back at that game, the moments surrounding that game, what it meant for the Pacers at the time because I forgot a lot of the context, and Warren's time with the Pacers in general. Really fun show, really fun to dive back in to some of the nuances of that time of the bubble Pacers and of Bubble MJ standing out and being first team all bubble. Let's just reminisce on TJ Warren's excellence for a couple weeks. Somehow it has been three years since maybe the most fun Pacers game I can remember covering, even though it was via Zoom. TJ Warren, 53 points, completely out of nowhere against the Philadelphia 76ers. Perfect time, August, when the NBA offseason is totally slowed to look back on that game, that stretch from Warren that bubble Pacers run in general to get some fun history going to get this month going and joining me to do that now working for the USA kind of <laughs> used to write for Pacers.com. It's Brendan Rourke. You've heard him here before. Brendan, what's up, man? How you doing? Not bad. How's it going? I think people probably think you work for the government based on how I just described your job. Yeah. Just, just to be clear, I do not work for the government. Uh, so <laughs> please don't come at me with government tweets. Um, I currently work for Team USA, so America's team. The USA. That's all. The USA. Team USA, America's team, you know. <laughs> so I was I was doing some research and watched all of Warren's buckets from this game, the 53-pointer. And I forgot about a lot of stuff that was going on because what I remember is the game because it was awesome. What I forgot is right before that, Sabonis has a foot injury, and the fourth-seeded Pacers suddenly lose an extremely good player for the rest of their season. It was unknown if it would be the rest of the season at the time, but they did. And Oladipo had yet to commit to actually playing in the games despite being in the bubble with the team. So there was a lot of uncertainty about the Pacers. Brogdon hadn't played in five months. No one really knew what to expect from this Pacers team, but everybody was psyched for basketball because it was it hadn't happened for a while. And TJ Warren <laughs> put on one of the craziest scoring performances I've seen from a Pacers player in my life. I'm, I remember I got a new laptop between COVID starting and that game. And the way I used to screen record, you have to turn off the audio recording feature for like external. So if I was talking while recording game footage, it would pick me up. And I turned it off my old computer, but I didn't on the new one. And TJ Warren was so on fire. He hit a heat check three over Ben Simmons in the second quarter. And I posted it on Twitter. You can literally hear it go, oh, my God, he did it again. Like, it was just unbelievable. I <laughs> I know he could score, but I I just never seen someone on that kind of heater. 
And in a, in a moment like that, where the Pacers were not spiraling, that's super dramatic, but just like in flux and no one knew what to expect and there hadn't been sports for a while. It was just an awesome moment for the team, the player and the fan base. Yeah, it was definitely something to see, especially after that, you know, huge lull in sports. I mean, everybody was locked in their houses and everybody didn't know what to do. And here comes TJ Warren saving the day, putting a, putting the Pacers on the map, you know, a team that doesn't get talked about a lot. And he goes out and he drops 53 against, you know, a much bigger market team in the 76ers. Um, <clears throat> I did want to pull up that stat. Uh, at the time, I don't know if anybody's done it, since but he became the fifth player in nba history to just hit nine threes and nine twos um you know joining james harden who did it four I times know, i didn't even know that i have stats coming and i didn't even have that one ready yeah <laughs> I, I grabbed that one from espn this morning <laughs> but yeah um he became yeah the fifth player in nba history to hit nine threes and nine two two point field goals in a game that's, and um it was just phenomenal to watch it's up there. This is this is a disservice to TJ Warren because he's a scorer. Like the 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 Pacers played that commercial during the bubble, the viral clip of TJ McConnell calling him 3J scoring and then laughing like a toddler. <laughs> but so like people knew Warren was a scorer, but like it's up there with the most like, huh, 50 point games ever, like Corey Brewer, you know, Brandon Jennings, all those guys. And it, it's just you don't go from 18 a game to like 50 out of nowhere, and we'll get to this, but like he kept he kept going in the in the games. After, oh yeah, which is what made it even crazier. Um, but I yeah, I remember just being blown away how hot he was in that first quarter. And I looked today of every Pacers forty point game ever, he's one of only three guys who actually hit twenty shots in the game that it happened. All the rest had a lot more free throws, and the other two were Billy Knight and Rick Smiths, which were a long <laughs> long time ago. Oh yeah. Um, little different context on those. And they were a little bit more interior-based, let's say, players than T.J. Warren, who was doing it on the perimeter. So just a totally different experience to see him doing that way. And what stood out when I went back and watched it is, like, he was scoring in a million ways. His first bucket, time for a throwback, was a pull-up three off a screen from Jakar Sampson. <laughs> the, like, that's what <laughs> the started one, the them. only. The one, yeah, the, one the only Jakar. I saw this Twitter thread the other day that was like, everybody has one NBA player that they irrationally have a faith in. Like, I still this day, I'm like, Jakar Sampson, rotation player. Um, oh, yeah. It, it, he, he anytime cut, anytime he came up, anytime he, he had an enormous dunk or a block, it would be the only points he scored that game. But I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, I have faith in him again. <laughs> I remember Justin Holiday that season being like, if I'm picking a team, like – I'm picking Jakar pretty quick. Like I want that kind of guy <laughs> on my team all the time. Um, and then he, his next bucket was in transition. And then he was supposed to come off a double screen and just back cut for an easy bucket. Like I could go on and on, but like he was scoring in every way. And Oladipo was just okay that day. And Brogdon was coming back. Like they needed all of it. And he gave them everything. It was nuts. Oh, yeah. I mean, he definitely earned that nickname he got, you know, walking bucket. And then <laughs> afterwards, people are still calling him Bubble MJ three years later. I mean, it was a, it was incredible what he was able to do. It was. Um, remember the all bubble teams? That was a thing. We'll get to those. <laughs> we'll get to those later. Some other fun things that stood out uh, going back through this, both via st stats and looking at it, is how few free throws he needed to get to 53 points. Of ever again, this is for 40 plus point games, not 50 plus. 
40-plus point games in Pacers history. Only three of them had less free throw attempts in the game than Warren had in this game. And that was Chuck Person twice, who had three points, or excuse me, three free throws in uh, a 45-point game. And Chuck Person, again, with zero free throws in a 42-point game. I would very much like to watch that one. And the other one was Karis LeVert in that ridiculous game he had against the Bulls a few years ago, uh, right before he got traded, <laughs> which is why I remember that one so well. <laughs> Uh, and then it's Warren with his four. Like to be able to score at that level without drawing fouls. And, like I talk to people around the league, like what can TJ Warren do to take the next step? And they're like, gets the foul line. But he did not need to in this game because he could just drill every shot. And that's a super rare way to get this many points. Like a ton of these games. In fact, there's been 55 40 plus point games in Pacers franchise history. Over half of them had at least 10 free throw attempts. Like it's imperative to get to the line. And everyone was like, screw that. I'm just going to make every shot. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I remember now when, when covering him, it was always TJ Warren's mid range game, TJ Warren's mid range game. I mean, he was, he was doing basically, you know, jumpers that you see, you know, back in the old basketball days that nobody ever took anymore. Those, kind of floaters or kind of mid-range jumpers, and he connected on all of them. The one that got him to 29 in the first half was funny looking back. Um, I think that was the one that the 3J scoring clip came from. They're in transition, and every Pacers player is on one side of the floor except for Warren, and the Sixers just totally lose him. But he's like 10 feet behind the three-point line. And Aaron Holiday throws a skip pass to him, and Ben Simmons is panicking. TJ Warren's like 35 feet in the basket, and Ben Simmons just panicking, and he just drills three from all the way out there when Buckner went nuts. And the part of this that, like, like I forgot about this other part of the bubble is the guys wearing masks on the bench. Jeremy Lamb and his, like, rainbow-colored mask just, like, explodes up in the air on the bench as they all celebrate this. I think they thought it was 30 points, but it was only 29 at the time. Just shoots up off the bench. They're all so psyched. It was sick, and, like, it just reminded me of so many things about the bubble that – like you forgot it. I forgot about that. Like I forgot about his jersey saying justice on the back for all these games. Like I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about all this stuff. But that one bucket and that one moment where they showed the whole team and Philly called the timeout. I was like, oh yeah, this was uh this was all just totally wild. Yeah, it feels like a fever dream at this point, watching watching, you know, all the teams in Orlando play in those, you know, practice. I remember watching looking at photos of the teams practicing in ballrooms. No, totally. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it was a great move by the NBA, but it's like you see pictures of it and you're like, how did this happen? <laughs> it was a wild time. Hey, guys, short little break here so I can talk to you about Ibotta. It's officially summer and a new season means new clothes. But your closet shouldn't be the only thing growing when you make purchases. Now you can also watch your cash back grow with each purchase with Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt. After you shop, you get cash back. It's super easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year that could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Or you could use the cash back to buy some of that flight you've been eyeing or that game you've been dying to go to or a fancy dinner you've been craving. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much with Ibotta. You get real cash back. You can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards, and you can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering listeners of this show $5 just for trying it. Just use the code LOCKED when you register on Ibotta. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store, download the free Ibotta app, and use the code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play Store, and use that promo code LOCKED. Um, I remember, too, I was, I was reading my own story, which is scary. I don't like reading my own writing. 
Um, but about the time, and we got Doug McDermott on a Zoom right before their first couple games, and I forget who asked him, hey, does anyone you know stand out to you or look good down there in the bubble? Because we hadn't seen them play since March. And Doug McDermott said, I've really been impressed with TJ Warren. He's really expanded his range. He's knocking down a lot of threes. And you already mentioned it. Like, he's known as this mid-range guy. So you kind of like, oh, roll your eyes, you know, whatever, okay? Cool, maybe he'll shoot a little more. <laughs> and then in the first game, he hit 9 out of 12 from deep, including <laughs> a couple from the parking lot. Like, how perfect for the story. Thank you, Doug McDermott. An unforgettable quote. I mean, yeah, it, it was it was incredible to see um, just TJ Warren own the game and and have and to have people behind them be, be, behind him before the game. I mean, it just goes to show he was at the time he was one of the more underrated players in the NBA, and and all the all of his teammates knew that one of these games he was going to do it. It just happened to be in the bubble, and so he got a little more attention. <laughs> He was 37.5% from three pre-bubble and then 52.4% from three in his public <laughs> games. So, uh, Doug McDermott, congratulations. Tell me tomorrow's lottery ticket numbers when you get a chance because that was quite the prediction. Um, the funny thing about this, I already alluded to this, is it's not like, you know, th- this game would have felt more random and more crazy to talk about if it was like just that game. But then they played the Wizards next. And he went crazy, and I, I believe I'm trying to find it in my own story. Um, he was one point away. Yeah, he had 34 against the Wizards, which left him one point away from the Pacers' record for consecutive games uh, with 87, which is crazy. Then, okay, so he, I did math wrong. He had 34. So then he needed exactly 32 to tie Jermaine O'Neal's record for three consecutive games. Uh, and guess what he scored in the third game? 32. And it's like <laughs> it, the fact that he kept going from a 53-point game, and like there, it's not random. And like no history point is random. Like he was legitimately a, a very good player for the stretch. It's just, it's just shocking to like look back at Pacers history numbers and be like, oh yeah, TJ Warren was like the best scorer in team history for, for like three weeks. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I said it earlier, but, at, you know, and at the time, it, it's, you know, this mid-major team, Indianapolis. I mean, in Indiana, basketball is huge, but you you expand to the broader scope of the, you know, entire U.S. and Indiana becomes a mid-major team. And to have this, this score in a time where I believe it was the only sport on, it was the only sport that tried to come back, at least, I, I remember. think. It might it might have been between the NBA and I think the NHL was trying you know, to when set did something hockey, up. Hockey too. came back after. Um, yeah. College never did. Women's was later. Yeah, I think you're yeah. right. Yeah, it might have been the only sport. And to have TJ Warren do that over that three you know three game stretch, just kind of put eyeballs on the Pacers that were needed. He was on TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. That kind of media <laughs> stuff. Yeah, that is that is part of what made it so fun to look back on and you know we'll talk about the all bubble teams is just that he kept going with it and that's not something you expect more random stats from this game just because of who i am as a person um his assist number was among the lowest in uh, 50, 40 point games in pacers history shocking not really a passer but he was good on the glass for a lot of the bubble he had 11 rebounds in their second game against the wizards and he had four assists that game which was his second highest the whole season 
at the time, right? So like he was just in a groove that was beyond like I'm putting the ball in the basket. It was like, oh, I'm doing legitimately everything very well right now. And I want to know, I never really got this out of him. Like, was it the black gym? Was it just like you've never felt better as a player? Because we like the, the part of this that sucks, maybe we'll talk about this a little bit, is like he played three games for the Pacers after the bubble total. So we never got to like dive into that and really get to know him better. But you know, what was it about that setting and about that team right, with an injured star and another injured star that wasn't even with the team that allowed him to be that guy and keep them in the hunt for the four seed because his stats just don't don't make any sense. It's just it's nuts. <laughs> I want to I want to also say that you know as much as NBA players say I love the fans and everything, it was a distinct <laughs> lack of fans. And whether it be fan interaction and whether it be you know just hanging out with your teammates twenty four seven and hanging out with just other basketball players and and very minimal staff, you know, all the distractions are gone. All the fan, you know, calamity and catastrophes were mitigated and you wouldn't have any of that. And you just focus on basketball for those, what, eight games? The eight regular season games, quote unquote, that they had left. Yeah, he was dealing with the foot pain then, so he only played in six of them yeah. before coming back for the playoffs. And he was good in the playoffs too, but the funny thing was with Brogdon having the hip thing and Depot not being himself and Sabonis gone, it's like, Oh, you are drawing Jimmy Butler. <laughs> like you were yeah. supposed to be like the third or fourth option. <laughs> He's the guy that they're the heat of throwing Jimmy Butler on because they had to. Um, that stretch of six games put him on the all bubble first team. I can't believe I just said that sentence out loud <laughs> again. I probably I remember thinking in 2020, I will never talk about this again. But here I am. Uh the other four names <laughs> on the all bubble team. Dame Lillard. Multi-time All-NBA player, James Harden, former MVP, Luka Doncic, future MVP, Devin Booker, multi-time All-NBA player. So, and then TJ Warren, never an All-Star, never an All-NBA guy. <laughs> Just the best six games he's ever had all in a row. The second team All Bubble was Giannis Kawhi, funnily enough, a future Pacer, Karis LeVert, Michael Porter Jr., and Porzingis. So, like, like TJ Warren ascended to that tier of player for a couple of weeks in the Pacers. Desperately needed it, and it's. It's just wild. I can't believe I even looked up all bubble teams, but that's how good a stretch was. And not to mention, you know, we got a meme out of it too. You know, everybody's favorite, you know, the close-up stare. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember everybody was bored at home, right? So they're on social media. Yeah. So like everybody's profile picture was that, the stare. Mm-hmm. So like I had a, I had a reach out of I had like a nine likes on a tweet notification and all nine pictures were the same picture. <laughs> Yeah, and and while uh, and while we kind of missed those last few games with him, you know, it was right in the throes of you know T.J. Warren versus Jimmy Butler, and it kind of you know sparked that going yeah. into those. Yeah, it was right in the middle of that going into those you know final games, and then I believe like the Pacers ended up playing the Heat, you know, including the four playoff games, and then they played him again before that. An unfortunate <laughs> ending to that saga for Warren that yeah. had was amazing. <laughs> yeah. What even close? What, what could have been? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it should have been a fair fight with, with two full teams. And that's still the last Pacers playoff series, but no Simonis, hobbled team. Like, it just they had no chance. Um, I forgot something else I wanted to mention about the 53 point game specifically. I had somehow forgotten this completely. Did you remember that they were down by 10 in the fourth quarter of that game at one point? No. I, I I did not remember that they were down by ten. I was I was going through like watching all the buckets, and Warren came back in. When Warren checked in, eight thirty eight to go, 
in the fourth quarter. They were down 98-88. <laughs> so not only did he have 53, in the fourth quarter, he was seven for eight from the field, four for four from deep for 19 points, plus 16 <laughs> to come back. <laughs> like, I forgot about that part. I knew he made a million shots from, like, every action and spot on the floor. And Tobias Harris was like, we couldn't do anything to stop him. I did not remember that the Pacers were getting their butt kicked and he saved the day. And they ended up being the fourth seed by tiebreaker. Like they needed everyone they got down there. Oh yeah, they did. For sure. I completely, I, I completely spaced out. Like in my head, they, they just, they won that game by 10 like in my, or something. I, in my head, they just kicked their butt. But yeah. uh, what they had on the game specifically was uh, if you find a chance listener, Go listen to Quinn Buckner's call of the three that got him to 50. Because <laughs> QB. Wasn't even his last game. He's four, three more points. Quinn Buckner just goes ballistic. He's like, 50. <laughs> Can you do it? They're in a remote studio. So I would like to ask Kristen Air about that at some point because they're not even on site. But again, at the timing of the pandemic, the Sabonis, the everything, it was, it was just. Perfect. It was just this out of body, perfect kind of game experience. It was awesome. Yeah, it was what the sports fan needed for sure. And I'm glad. I'm glad Indiana out of everybody got it. Now we have to get to the bummer part of this. Amazing player um, for that stretch. Looks like a guy ready to take a step forward. Two more years on his contract. I did a podcast before the 2020-21 season, predicting how many All Stars the Pacers could have. I said, yeah, I think T.J. Warren's got a shot. And then he played in the first game. He was clearly limping in that first game that he played. I don't know if anybody really remembers that. He was two for eight with five points. Then he had 23 on 10 for 16, 17 on eight for 14, and then 17 on seven for 13. So three straight games of over 50% from the field and double-digit points and good rebounding numbers. And the Pacers were three and one. And then he never played for the team again for two years. Like it was just brutal. He's he was a perfect fit next to like whoever they had as their best guy at the time. If it was Lavert, great. A secondary option on the wing you can defend is great. If it was Sabonis, great. He can shoot from three now. He's a forty percent guy. That's helpful. If it's Brogdon, you can just, same thing with Lavert. Like you've got a wing. They had Depot for a hot second there. Like he paired well as a second option with all those guys, and his defense was good. And obviously, a ton of stuff happened that derailed that era of the team, but. Losing a 3-and-D wing who was that quality of player I think was an underrated part of it because they went from something to just nothing at that position. Oh, yeah, and then you have, I mean, then you have moving forward, you you have the kind of will he come back, won't he come yeah. back sort of thing. And, and that injury that he had, that right foot injury, is one of the worst because, you know, I when I researched it at the time, it was all about, you know, the stress you put on that foot. And the first sentence was like, most stress comes from jumping. Well, what do you do in basketball 90% of the time? <laughs> right. So, you know, it hurts I, when, you I like under- run when you have, yeah, it. it hurts when you run and bounce on it the entire time. And, and, you know, I believe the Pacers organization at that time were caught between a rock and a hard place, you know, let's drive up hope that he comes back, but also let's not derail and, and, you know, bring it back for two games and he gets hurt again. Yeah, because on one hand, like, he was playing well, but I mean, I, I, I vividly remember that first game of the season, like, he was he would, like, skip down the floor because oh, yeah. his foot hurt. I was like, oh, well, <laughs> what do you do about this? And he said he was fine, but clearly he wasn't. There was, like, some reporting that he re-aggravated it. I've never gotten a clear answer. It doesn't really matter at this point. He's not on the team anymore. But, yeah. you know, it just wasn't – it didn't end well at all. And 
We saw that with Kendall Brown on his two-way this past season where he went from stress reaction in the right tibia. They even sat him out for six weeks. He came back, and he still had a stress fracture, right? Like, it's hard. To, it's really hard to avoid those. Which I think he was out for so long at first, right? Because I was researching other NBA players who had it, and they were all out for a couple months. And I thought, okay, yeah, he'll be back. I forget what even Rick Carlisle said, but it sounded about right. You know, our, with Nate? Nate Bjorkman. Sorry, wrong coach. Um, he's like, yeah, you know, maybe March, April-ish. And then that was just not quick mm-hmm. enough. That was not possible because of just how long those can take and how risky they can be to come back from. So as perfect as he'd have been for those teams, and he just never got to – it wasn't fair. Like he earned a chance to be like the dude after the bubble, and he never had it. It was cruel. Yeah, he earned to be, you know, at that time, one of the faces of the Pacers. Yes. And agreed. and then, you know, on the flip side, I don't want to be that athletic trainer that gives the okay on that, <laughs> especially on a stress fracture. Well, so, Unfortunately, it didn't work out anyway, but, I mean, I wonder how they think about that in retrospect. I'm not saying they should have pushed him back. I just wonder how they think about it. It's a big what if for sure in Pacers history. Man, I being a doctor for a billion dollar industry sounds like the world's most stressful job. Uh, it's still fun to look back on all these stats and remember these games, especially at the time they were happening and the bubble being what it was at the time. What else do you remember? This is just vague and not related to his arc of the bubble or the three games that he four games that he played after. What else do you remember? about T.J. Warren because something that always stands out to me is they got him for nothing. In fact, they got stuff with him. <laughs> and that's because <laughs> no one thought he could defend or shoot, and he could do both, like, right away. And so he the, the transformation of his career so fast to be a modern wing who can shoot the three, he could shoot a little bit his last year before the trade. And guard, like, Dan Burke was great for him. The three ball is great for the Pacers. That always stood out to me and, and made me think like a lot more about situations for players. And since him, the Pacers have had a lot of guys that they've scooped up from less favorable situations for them, like Jalen Smith, like Aaron e. Smith, like Jordan Wara, and there's even bigger names than that, that have done better for them. And it made me think a lot more about how situation can be important for players because his perception was so low that again, the Suns were like, whatever, take him. <laughs> and then he was all he was amazing. Like he was he was a, a worth positive value within like 10 games. Oh yeah, I mean that was the that was his nickname before Bubble NJ. It was or Bubble MJ. Sorry, it was TJ or yeah TJ Cash Considerations Warren because <laughs> that's yeah, that's what that's what the Pacers got him for. Specifically, I remember watching him. I mean, <clears throat> it appeared that the harder or more difficult the shot was the more likely it went in. It was like he would, he had that ability to create something out of nothing. And I feel after he left, that was, you know, the one thing the Pacers were missing was that something out of nothing guy when, you know, when a play breaks down, you know, eight, nine times a game when the other, when the opponent's defense has the upper hand, you know, it's a back and forth game, but he, found ways all the time to flick a ball up into the hoop over a, you know, over a six, seven guy or anything like that. I actually, my, my memory of those shots is when he would shoot a tough shot, there were, there were two outcomes. There were only two outcomes. One outcome was what you just described. Nasty rainbow swish bank from a random angle, just a tough bucket. The other option was it was just getting swatted into the 10th row. <laughs> like, <laughs> he would try it, but they would just get 
launch away from the best. That's not my answer. Truth is, and one of his best skills and, and important skills for the Pacers was like late clock, just give it to him. Like he even on the ones he gets swatted, like it's a good shot. So yeah, I, I remember that very well. I even made like a fake little pie chart about swatted to Holly Hell versus him actually making a bucket. But yeah, he taught me a lot about situations and the fact that he only got to play 71 games for the Pacers is. I think an unforgivable decision by the basketball gods. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> criminal, criminal decision. One of the rare errors in their judgment. Yeah, I would agree. I would say. I hope he gets on a team uh, this year and is awesome and proves that he still belongs in the league. I believe he's still under 30, and I get why he's not on a team. Yeah, he turns 30 on September 5th. I get why he's not currently signed to a team, but I still believe. <laughs> and of that 53-point <laughs> game. And the all-bubble run is a big part of why. Brendan, thank you very much for the time. Uh, you do not cover the Pacers anymore, but you still follow the team. Where can people follow you and your work covering USA stuff? <laughs> sorry, sorry, not covering. Uh, where can people follow you working for the USA to continue this? For the USA. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for my time with the Pacers, and I'm glad I've turned into an Indiana basketball fan. I mean, growing up in Florida, it was Dwight Howard and the Magic, but now they're, you know, they're coming back. But <laughs> became a Pacers fan in the process. Uh, right now, you can find me um, at B, B underscore Rourke Sports on Twitter, if you still have Twitter in these times. Um, it's not, if it's, you want, it's, uh, it's called X, Brendan. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, the sun in my eyes right now make, is like exactly like his giant <laughs> X light. Okay, um, okay. I had to talk about that. <laughs> I know this is not what I asked you to talk about. Like, oh, that got fine. taken down in two days. Like, did they just put it up? I haven't read enough about it. Yeah, they just put it up. And it, apparently, there were some outlets about, or there were some news outlets reporting about a zoning code violation where it was $1,000 a day to keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the video of that. Like, the people lived across the street. And mm -hmm. I I was like, oh, my God, that looks like hell. That looks awful. <laughs> uh, Brendan, Brendan's a great follow and almost was a very important resource of Taylor Hendricks content if the Pacers had uh, picked a Central Florida night. Yes, that would have been very fun. I'll correct you, Tony. It's UCF now. It they spent a lot on rebranding. <laughs> but Big 12 yes. own UCF. <laughs> Big 12's own UCF. But uh, – yeah, I think I got off track, but um, you can find me working on uh, TeamUSA.com. It's a brand new website we launched in um, mid-July. So um, look at all of our new content. Look at, all, look at all of our new athlete bios. We're still in the process of fixing. So my name not, may not be on them, but I'm definitely editing them and putting up some new stuff on the homepage here and there. Olympics coming up next year. Brendan will, of course, be a part of that. And for other Team USA stuff. Tyrese Hobburn's about to play for them, which will be very cool. And, you know, I'll have coverage of that here on the Lockdown Pacers podcast. Brendan, thank you for the time. Everybody, thank you for listening. Next two days, mailbag time. It's August. I want to hear about what you think about the Pacers right now as they trudge into the offseason. And next week, our first player interview recorded earlier today. It's going to take a monster edit because the phone was being awful. But, hey, we'll make it happen. It'll be great. Thank you all a ton for listening today. Have a good one. We'll see you soon.